Welcome to the Path 11 Podcast with your hosts, Mike and April. We would like to continue our episode from last week with Todd Akamasis, and this is part two of our interview. Your workshops where you do you do out of body um, group out of body workshops is that true? That is true. Yes. Do you have a specific technique that works for out of body in a group setting, or do you do multiple like say this type of person may need the uh, target technique? Okay. Well, I would say uh, for our workshops, we we run you know, three day, three day weekend events and we run a nine day completely immersive event. Uh, the last one we ran in France and we had Tom Campbell come as one of our speakers. Uh, so during that sort of, uh, you know, the structure of those events, we would practice and we would teach things like the target technique, you know, which is, you know, if you like, you know, very dependable techniques. You know, if you once again, like William Bowman would suggest in his his book, if you were to sort of use one technique for a period of 30 to 60 or 90 days, you know, with your consistency, with your conviction, you know, something's going to happen at some point, especially taking on board what I've said about a top-down practice versus a bottom-up practice. What that means is you don't just take the target technique and practice that every day for 30 minutes. You have to be in that mindset of constant growth always looking for a feedback loop. So let's say, for example, you're practicing the target technique and let's say you're executing that technique to a T, but you find that where you can easily visualize and you can wander around, your mind also equally drifts and you get that mind drift and suddenly you're not even focusing on the technique. When you are focusing on the technique, you're really you know, sort of doing well, but then when you have these moments where your mind drifts and you're unproductive, I would say out of a 90-minute practice, which is the style we teach people time length-wise, um, you know, for a longer session, because it mimics the sort of uh, the, the sleep rhythm, so, you know, a sleep cycle, as well as the eutridium rhythm of daytime. So we, we sort of teach that style. We, we do teach, you know, shorter practice uh, times, but that's about the ideal we find. And within that 90 minutes, the average person will probably only if they're really honest with themselves and take inventory here, they're only really focused for about maybe five or ten minutes of that time over the stretch of 90 minutes, maybe a minute here, a minute there, but not much more than that. So one of the additional practices, uh, ideas that we would teach would be that they need to increase you know, the strength of their mental muscles. So just like in a physical sort of gym, they're going into the mental gym and they're learning to flex these mental muscles. So for example, if they're, they're practicing the target technique and suddenly their mind drifts, their purpose for being in that session is to have an out-of-body experience and to practice these techniques. So the intention is I now bring my focus back onto the technique. So that's rep Rep number one, just like being in the gym, rep one, two, three. And as we get, increase the reps, we start to increase strength. So every single time somebody's mind drifts, we teach them, okay, this is where you become aware that your mind has drifted. You don't get uh, you know, upset or frustrated uh, with yourself, or irritated. You just laugh about it inwardly, smile, say, wow, you know, I really have a lot of strength you know, to, to, to work on here. And you rep number one, you bring yourself back into focus. If you drift again, rep number two, bring yourself back into focus. So part of that top-down practice is always finding areas of that 90 minutes where you're practicing to where you can sort of uh, tweak part of the system, part of your practice. But it doesn't stop there. We would ask people to then read, you know, if they're on a train, traveling to work, commuting to work, to read a book on the topic so they can learn new ideas, learn from other teachers. Because... Sometimes people connect with me really, really well, and sometimes they connect with other teachers you know, in other ways for other reasons. So it's important to have a range of teachers to learn from. And you know, even from children, uh, you know, just recently, I, I, well, not recently now, but about a year ago, I made a post on Facebook uh, of this nine-year-old girl who was sharing her, her view of how to have an out-of-body experience and, you know, to really feel like you're the wind, you know, it was a very profound experience, uh, you know, idea for, for having experiences. So we teach pretty much all the, all the standard OBE techniques. We also have some very non-standard ideas. Um, but I would say, you know, we're all about the psychology side of this as well, where we will 
help people understand that they have this sort of inner team, uh, these sub-personalities. And, you know, people can come to a workshop and they can be like, oh, man, I'm really ready to go. They're all gung-ho. They're ready to have an experience. But they may not realize that although they may not consciously be registering fear, somewhere within their inner community, there will be fear. And that fear will stop them from having experiences. So we get people that have been on sort of the OBE treadmill going from one workshop to another, reading one book to another, years of practice and not getting any results. And then they come to our workshops and they suddenly are getting somewhere again because we teach this top-down process. We help them understand the psychological, emotional blocks that can prevent them from having an experience. It's almost like sometimes there can be a subpersonality, another aspect of our consciousness, which is so overwhelmed with having an in-body experience, let alone an out-of-body experience. You know, it's like I don't want to go to another level of reality. I'm too, I'm too fearful about this level. You know, so we teach people how to really connect with those other parts that are currently blocking them from having experiences literally standing in the way and withholding the energy that they need. And part of that energy um, sort of blocking you can find in everyday practices is procrastination. People will come to workshops and they'll go home with the best of intention and then procrastinate. And they, and they sort of just find um, distraction after distraction that gets in the way. This is a clear sign. This is an, a signal from another aspect of your consciousness, a subpersonality that is telling you, this frightens the bejesus out of me. If you listen to me, if you focus some awareness on me, if you give me your presence and help, let me help you understand my needs, I can then contribute. I can then start to apply that extra little bit of energy that can help us have this experience. Now, for some people listening, they might think, okay, where's Todd going this with this? Sounds like he's saying we have multiple personalities and you know, yada, yada. To a degree, yes, this is, this is correct. You know, We have trauma or wounding experiences in our lives where literally there are parts of our consciousness that will sort of be retained within a psychic space within our minds which will sit there dwelling on past experiences and whenever something in our uh, sort of uh, everyday lives you know something in the external world is interpreted by a part of us it can trigger this part of us and that part can then like I said withdraw energy withhold energy go into a stonewalling mode can block you from having an experience and again, procrastination is a classic signal that this is happening. So we don't just discuss techniques. We go heavily into the psychology side of this to where you know, we really help people shift these emotional blockages that are standing in the way of the out-of-body energy, which is always there. If you want to have an out-of-body experience, you don't have to lie down and get relaxed for 90 minutes. You should get to a point to where you could literally sit in a chair and induce the experience in five minutes. You should get to a point to where you practice standing up against a wall. You get to a point where you can practice walking and every now and again trigger a conscious experience. And, and if you're walking, then hopefully, and in most cases, yes, you would have a dual awareness experience. You would be fully aware of your physical body and your surroundings, equally aware of another environment altogether. So to us, Yes, it's about this top-down practice where we're always pushing boundaries. We're always seeking feedback loops in order to make the practice better. And are you able to have these experiences like where you're walking or you're standing? I'm at a level to where if I'm lying down and I'm, and I'm in a proper practice where, you know, let's say month, two months without fail, every day I'm practicing, I can pretty much you know, induce an experience at will, maybe five, 20 minutes maximum, five minutes to 20 minutes maximum. If I'm out of practice, because life sometimes, even for me, uh, gets in the way, then it could take a little bit longer, but I will still induce an experience. There are days where I can throw everything, including the kitchen sink and a Pandora star at it, and I'm going nowhere. You know, <laughs> you know this happens. Uh, but uh, for my sort of waking practice, if I'm sitting in a chair, Yes, I can induce experiences that way too. If I'm standing up against walls, I have been able to experience uh, you know, dual consciousness in that way. Walking around, it's still a challenge for me. It's more of a spontaneous occurrence when it does happen, but I'm getting there. And I do hope within a few years that you know, this will be something that's natural for me again, just like it, it will and should be natural for all of us. It's just we're experiencing what's become our personal, normal sort of experience of reality where we don't feel energy, 
We don't feel each other's feelings. We just, you know, are so blocked up. Uh, so the idea here is that we're retraining ourselves. We're reconditioning ourselves. We're, you know, unconditioning ourselves from, from the belief systems that are standing in the way from being able to stand up and walk and have a multidimensional experience and be present in more than one field of uh, consciousness simultaneously. Wow, you, you just given me like a ton of information. I'm just trying to process it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I like opening up a can of worms. You know, my, it's, it's it's all good. <laughs> and because I, I I just because I I'm at the stage where because of my uh, right now with my wife's job and my job, we'll get up at like 3 a.m. My wife goes to work and I go back to sleep. Uh, probably you know 5 a.m. for another maybe hour, two hours, and then I got to get up, I got to get my daughter on the bus to school and all that. But when I go back to sleep, I've had some pretty good experiences. Uh, some were dreams, some were lucid dreams, and then there were out-of-body experiences. And they do kind of happen spontaneously for me. I can't will it yet, so I'm kind of working on that. And in my experiences, and I've mentioned this on past shows, uh, we've had Teal Swan on. I don't know if you're familiar with her. I am, yes. Okay. And I, when we were talking to her, I, I kind of described the experience where I've, I'm always, I always feel like I'm like in this training, like I'm, like I'm being trained to do this. And somebody is watching. There's always somebody, I, I don't know if they're watching or, or what they're doing, but there's always a presence of somebody in the room. And I'm just kind of, Hovering over the bed, sometimes I feel like I'm on a, a rotisserie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had that experience. And there's some experiences where, and I'm, I'm sure there's somebody listening who's who's been practicing, and you kind of get to the point where you go back to sleep and you get dropped into this uh, uh, spontaneous experience where they're, you're like, I feel the vibrations coming on, I feel this sensation but I'm too tired to, <laughs> I gotta get, I gotta get the sleep, you know, and th I've had that where I've gone back to sleep. Then I've had experiences where the bed kind of feels like it's a pinball machine paddle and it just kind of drops out from under you and you just feel yourself drop into a situation or a vignette of, uh, uh, of an experience. I don't know if, am I making sense or? It, you are. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Sense. And I absolutely identify with what you're saying. Um, you know, I, I find uh, really interesting, this is a classic phenomena for a lot of people who practice this, and even for people who don't practice it, uh, but become aware of out-of-body exploration or lucid dreaming. You know, we, we, we do, like I alluded to earlier, we, we are currently living a double life, whether we're aware of it or not. And again, I would ask any uh, listener out there to... Uh, once again, I'm not asking you to suspend your belief systems, but at least to have an open mind and think, wait a second, could that be possible? Could it be that when I fall asleep at night, you know, my one part of my consciousness, I, I tune out of this world and I tune into other worlds and other aspects of my being, and I am having adventures and you know, conscious lucid adventures, but when I reintegrate my consciousness with more, it's not even really what's happening, but when my awareness shifts back into my physical waking body, that maybe there's a memory sort of download challenge that's taking place, which is for most people, that is exactly what's happening. You know, even when you're sort of having that sort of uh, describing that experience where you you seem to almost, uh, you know, be having a dream experience of yourself being trained, there's probably a part of your consciousness that is having that experience in in real time, fully conscious, fully awake, fully lucid in the moment, but there's now like this delay um, uh, being broadcast back to another le level of your consciousness where it seems like it's you know in the third person whereas for that other part of your consciousness it's in the first person it's happening for real in that moment and there's no delay there's no re rerun of the of of what took place you know this is multi-dimensional reality you know time and space as you'll hear many uh people suggest you know is illusory uh yes it doesn't seem much of an illusion here on this level of reality uh, when, when we're in great pain or suffering. But, you know, that doesn't mean that to another level of your consciousness, it doesn't seem illusory. So 
it's just coming at this once again with a level of openness that will start to naturally allow that flow, which is that natural flow to take place. You will start having more of the experiences. Yes, at first it might be spontaneous, but the more you begin to apply yourself with purpose and intent, it will happen. You know, one of my favorite uh, out of body, personal out of body practices is to you know, to literally dial in, you know, say for myself, if I've, if I haven't been to a particular location on another level of reality, like an, an astral city, but I've heard another out-of-body explorer like William Bowman talk about, I have an access point. That is William Bowman's consciousness. You know, he's hardwired to the same conscious field I'm hardwired to. So as I'm, you know, drifting to that in-between state, that borderline consciousness between wakeful wakefulness and uh, these other levels of our being, you know, I start to dial in. I start to, my purpose is, I, I want to go there. And my intent is, you know, I set my intent. So I have a purpose and intent, a uh, purpose, I want to go to this astral city. Why do I want to go there? So I'll, I'll, I'll set that up and I'll focus on that. And it's again, like with science, we're learning to reduce the noise that surrounds the signal that we want to connect with. It's like taking a radio telescope and pointing it up to the, to the sky and suddenly being bombarded with all those signals from every object out there. You know, we can, you know, reduce that noise. We can, you know, filter it out and start to connect with what we really tr truly desire to connect with. But another aspect of this, we really, again, have to address that power struggle that's taken place within. There'll be you know, a, a conflict of values. One part of your consciousness and old belief system will stand in the way of a, of a new desire to have an experience. And you've got two ways to approach that. You either, you know, sort of um, upgrade that belief system to be in alignment with that new desire or you, you know, unfortunately download your, your uh, new desire to be in alignment with an old belief system, which I'm sure not too many people want to do. That's, that is, that's exploring roads that we've already traveled and we know all too well. So I really identify with what you're talking about, and I find that this is probably an aspect of your consciousness, you know, these, these trainers within these uh, dream-slash-unconscious uh, OBEs are encouraging you, you know, to come out and play. They're helping you remember what they can help you remember uh, to, to serve as inspiration for you to take it deeper, but they realize it's up to you. You have free will to get in your own way. You get, you know, you wake up the next day and you have the best of intention tonight. I'm going to bed an hour earlier. You know, you can read something from, say, Stephen LeBurge's, you know, sort of book or website and latest research where they, they find if you go to bed an hour earlier than usual, you, you get up an hour earlier than usual, you stay up for about 80 minutes and then you take like a, a mid-morning nap, you're something like 70% more likely to induce a lucid dream. You know, so it's stuff like this, you know, you have to set, you know, this, this, um, have this strong purpose and have this desire and follow through and have that level of conviction that makes sure that you you do follow through um and you know because it is so easy sometimes to let life get in the way to kid yourself to make you think you're you're having a dedicated practice when at best you're thinking about having a practice and the alarm goes off and you don't really become conscious enough and you fall right back to sleep into an unconscious state so I think it is encouragement from your guides for sure. And these could be high-level guides, you know, advanced parts of your own, you know, uh, spectrum of consciousness, which is there holding a space in, in multidimensional reality where for them it's effortless to do. There's time and space is an illusion to, the, to them from, from their vantage point. They're in a different time zone. So I would take encouragement from that. I would, I would think, wow, the, you know, the, there are people who care about me. There are beings who care about me and they're with me from what I can tell all the time. And, you know, and if there was a more advanced part of yourself, why would you not be able to, you know, if we can get to a point like Tom Campbell talks about, he can open up like in any given time, four data string strings, he can run four separate intents simultaneously. You know, I don't personally think there's an end to this. I think we can get to a point of, it's just a matter of getting back to what's natural versus what's become normal. Yeah, that that's a good point. And I, I wanted to back up a little bit uh, about some of the experiences before we go on. Now, I've always, and I've, from my own experience and from reading about some other experiences, I'm on some uh, Facebook groups and, you know, people post their experiences. And some of them have, I've read that, that you're kind of, you're just lying there, you're in a med meditation state, you have this intent to go out of body. 
or if it's a spontaneous, maybe maybe you're thinking about what you're going to do in the day when you wake up later. But there's this physical consciousness, and then all of a sudden there's a blackout, and then you kind of reemerge into all of a sudden you're in this altered state with uh, the vibrations. Is that something you've had too, where it's like this blackout? Yes, without a doubt. And, you know, I think there's several ways that people experience this stuff. And yes, that, that's one of them where um, you're practicing and then just for a moment, uh, you let go uh, just enough and perhaps you fall unconscious, but it was just enough that you gave it, just enough sort of practice, just enough focus that it stimulated the energy, it stimulated that sort of um, uh, what we call the projected duplicate, you know, the projection of the energy body which will then have the experience you know perhaps you've you've in, you've induced the experience just enough and you've just taken your foot off the accelerator you fall into unconsciousness but it's just enough to feel the vibrational state come conscious again and wham you're you're on the other side and uh, I would totally agree with William Bowman where he writes in his book you know that calling it an out-of-body experience is a misnomer I, I completely agree with that with that idea uh, ultimately we're dealing the, the mechanics we're dealing with here is a physical body, which in turn is still energy. So therefore, it's still an energy body, but it's very dense. We're dealing then um, second to that, we're dealing with an energy body state, which is directly energetically connected to the physical counterpart, which we call the energy body. Um, some people will will be able to see the energy field of that counterpart, which we call it the aura. In classroom sort of uh, spiritual teachings, they, we talk about the, the 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 chakras. You know that those chakras will be in that energy body, which is an interface point between the physical body and other parts of our consciousness. And that particular part is not. There's nothing coming out of our bodies. There's nothing sort of leaving the body. We literally it feels that way. And I understand how you know the argu argument could be there for something coming out of our body, our spirit coming out of our body. But ultimately. Your consciousness is shifting from physical awareness to this energy body awareness or beyond instantaneously. And your energy body might then be going slightly out of phase with the physical one. So they're not separated spatially. They're separated you know, only by sort of uh, a different vibratory field of reality. Uh, you know, and ultimately, like Tom Campbell would say, even these are just metaphors. This, you know, the map is not the territory. You know, so the mechanics behind this is different from suggesting something's coming out of your body. So it does make sense that you know you can have like a blackout, like you say, and then suddenly be completely in another field of consciousness, be in another environment altogether, and then tune back in again. You know, we've had for a lifetime this heavy programming that we are our physical bodies. You know, we have this overly strong identity with physical with our physical bodies. And yes, that helps us have an in-body experience, but that is not all that we are. We are not just physical beings. Sometimes you'll hear people say in, you know, maybe spiritual or personal sort of development practices, they don't get the out-of-body stuff. They, they say things like, well, you know, you've signed up to be here. You, you need to give all your focus to this level. And then those same people fall unconscious at night and they're oblivious to the eternal now. You know, this isn't just the here and now we're dealing with. You know, we're dealing with, you know, this potential of everything that we are. We talk about in spiritual circles that we label our universe the all that is. That means everything. That means eternity for, for heaven's sake. You know, that's a lot of potential. And if we're basically just saying to ourselves that, you know, out of the, the maybe endless parallel lives, parallel versions of self that our soul is witnessing simultaneously, if we can't in one of these lives have a program where we're starting to wake up, we're starting to realize that we are not just physical bodies, that we do not just grow through pain, that we, you know, we, we do not just have this physical journey to, to sort of focus on. You know, we get to explore more. So we will have what we call a mental projection. We'll have what we, call, we, we label the classic out-of-body experience where we feel the transition state. We feel vibrational energy. We, we feel pressure changes within our bodies. We might hear sounds or names being called. You know, and then make that conscious transition where we're now standing next to our bed and witnessing what seems to be physical reality but is, in a, in, you know, in a sense, a shadow of physical reality because we're now on another dimensional level. No matter how much it 
you see that shadow in real time and in Technicolor, you know, full, full sort of HD quality. It's still technically you're witnessing, you know, sort of a, you know, uh, an underlying energy of another reality. So there is so much to understand. And again, this is where the openness really comes into this because sometimes people come to my workshops and they're very confused. They're like, I've been having this type of experience, but I don't know if it's an out-of-body experience, and I need to understand. I'm confused. And what they start to 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 relay to me is what we call a mental projection, where literally. They're sitting down in a chair, and suddenly they're com they're somewhere else in a blink of an eye, and they're fully in this other environment. That environment is just as real as the one that they just came from, the one that their physical body still sits in, and it's it's got physicality, you know, and and they just don't understand how they got there, and they start to label, oh, that's just my imagination. Imagination is what created this entire level of reality for starters. So it's not just imagination; it, it's creative force itself. But if we start to get to a, a level of flexibility of, of mind to where we let go of this overly strong identity with the body, we get to start exploring consciousness in a more natural way again. We literally get to just point our consciousness anywhere and, and we arrive. We start to realize that if we are hardwired to this universe we call the all that is, then potentially we can be anywhere just by pointing our consciousness. Now, do you... At your workshops, do you talk about your experiences? Because I, I say that because we've in our films we've talked to William Buellman and Tom Campbell, and William uh, will give somewhat of a description, you know, of what he experienced. And he, you know, obviously in his books, he 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 journaled a lot of his ex experiences. But Tom, you know, once he you know, at the Monroe Institute, he gave some examples of early on, uh, but he won't describe his experiences. Like he won't, he pretty much won't say anything. <laughs> and yeah, I, I've encountered that, and I and I okay. really understand where he's coming from. Right. Uh, you know, he's he's saying to people like Monroe did, and I know Monroe filled three books with his experiences, but Monroe equally, what he did is very similar to what I do. I inspire people with some experiences, but I remind them that, you know, once again, like I've already done in the context of this, of this talk, you know, the, the map is not the territory. You know, this is a very subjective stuff. I mean, even Campbell would argue, is there truly anything objective about reality? So I think as long as people understand that, you know, and they're really grounded in the idea that, you know, this is my personal way of experiencing reality. You know, you, me, April, you know, a bunch of the listeners, we can all show up on the north rim of the Grand Canyon, but emotionally, we're going to connect in different ways with what we're experiencing. We're going to sort of filter that in our own unique ways based on our belief systems, our expectations, our preferences, our fears, all of that stuff. So I understand that, in a sense, Tom Campbell doesn't want to get in the way of other people having their own unique experiences. I get that. But equally, you know, there are people out there that need to connect with teachers in other ways. There are, t there are people that will connect with Tom Campbell in the way, you know, that is right for them and probably won't connect with me in the same way they connect with Tom Campbell and vice versa. So I think there is value in what Tom Campbell teaches and for some people that will work. For other people, that system doesn't work. They need the inspiration. They need the motivation. They need to have uh, a picture painted to a certain level that gives them the confidence that they're going to be okay on the other side, that they're not going to just sort of be left without a map of any description. So I think there's value in, in the various ways of teaching. And, and so that's my sort of take on it, if you like. Yeah. And, and I know what you mean about how we kind of lean, we need that inspiration and we kind of, you know, like, like I kind of, I'm able to connect with William's experiences fairly well and but I also appreciate Tom's books and his his knowledge that he what he does describe and you know the nature of reality so I, I do you know get both and you know with our films I don't know if and you you know William and Tom both that and we try to explain this in our films that William and Tom they're kind of like the right and left brains one is very analytical and this is how you know if you get x you know x plus y equals z and but then you have william who is you know painting pictures and you know 
he was the art student in college <laughs> and Tom was the uh, physics major and studying science. And basically what I'm trying to say is I'm right in the middle <laughs> of that where you, you could see both, you know, and you, you kind of said too that you, we both see, you know, you appreciate Tom, but you can see William's experiences, you know, with that. And I'm getting to a question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I kind of go on these tangents. I got to kind of explain my mental processes. <laughs> well, there's so many different ways we could go with this too. There, there are. And I think, you know, what most people ultimately need to do is they need to relax about this. You know, they, they might hear from one teacher, you know, this is the way to do it. And another teacher will say, no, 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 this is the way to do it. Ultimately, you need to sort of go inward like every great avatar has suggested you know through through various teachings go inside and i completely agree you know you're going to find what makes you tick you're going to find that you know already everything that you've we've discussed today you already know you already have you know answers to you have that inward sort of reservoir of knowledge and wisdom and insight to draw upon if people just relax a little bit more and stop taking it too serious in the sense well okay no this is the roadmap no 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 this is the roadmap let your journey be unique to you take inspiration from wherever you can take it leave what doesn't serve you you know use the rest connect the rest with everything else that you've got you know, like I teach at my workshops, if you've already sort of, if somebody comes to me and they've already sort of uh, uh, enjoyed tra journeying with William Bowman or Tom Campbell or one of the many other amazing, you know, facilitators around the world, I will literally say to them, what I teach you this weekend, what I teach you over the period of nine days does not supersede what you, they've already taught you. It adds to it. Like Robert Monroe would say, it's like an admixture. You're taking all of this good stuff and you're mixing it together and you're making it better. So ultimately, this is what I would say to all, you know, everyone out here who's, who's hearing this message. That is the message. You know, this is your journey. You know, if you feel some types of methodologies to get in the way, get those method methodologies out of the way. Go and explore something else. But ultimately, if you're tuning into your own energy, to your own guidance, you will know what feels right for you. That makes sense. And another thing I wanted to ask you, too, um, since you're pretty proficient without a body experiences and Tom has said this on camera to us and in the podcast with Teal Swan she had mentioned this and William we didn't actually directly ask this but he kind of implied that he does this is that when you do become proficient in becoming out of body or in these altered states and you're pretty lucid they the universe kind of puts you to work is that true Oh, yes. It definitely puts you to work, yes. Um, like I was suggesting when Tom Campbell, when I was out of body teaching on another level, I mean, this has become common you know, for me now to the point where I would say out of one out of every three out-of-body experiences where I'm on another field of reality beyond the immediate earth plane, yes, I am probably being used as a conduit to teach. I mean, even with one of my recent experiences, which, you know, was like a full circle. When I was a child and I started having these experiences, I would come out of my body. Again, I didn't know what that, you know, know there was labeling for it. I didn't, I wasn't able to articulate it in a, in a grandiose sort of way, but I knew it was different. Uh, I would meet, you know, sometimes the same people uh, so I would be guided uh, by you know uh, beings. Some were human, some were non-human consciousness. I would be sort of uh, directed to locations where there were other children, and we would be taught stuff. We might then wake back into our bodies, and it could seem like a dream for me. A lot of these were very conscious experiences, and I found that the stuff that I was being taught sometimes matched up to my physical waking life. And I could apply some of the things that I was learning. So that made sense. And I think that happens for all of us. So I'd, I'd sort of have these experiences as a child. And then a year ago, I had an experience which, uh, like I said, brought me full circle. I, I, I had these full circle moments a lot. But this one in particular was properly full circle in, in the sense that I came out of my body uh, or I made the transition, as I, as I stated, and I was sort of near my apartment block and suddenly got this feeling in my energy body that um, I needed to be like Superman. And so I launched myself up into the, into the atmosphere, up and up and up and up and went, uh, but at a really controlled sort of, in a controlled way or directed way. 
and suddenly found myself in what you could say was the upper atmosphere. Uh, but this is obviously from another vantage point, another um, dimension of reality, sort of overlooking physical reality is a is a, a decent enough way to describe it for the purpose of this conversation. And I'm now up in above the Earth's atmosphere, like in a position to what you would expect an astronaut or cosmonaut in the International Space Station, looking back down at Earth. And in this moment, I had Africa and Europe sort of underneath me, and I was I was in total awe. Out of you know, up to that date, nine years of other out-of-body experiences and other levels of consciousness, alien worlds. But it is truly special to stand above your own home world and appreciate, you know, the beauty and the, you know, how fragile this actually is. And this protective nature does, instinct does come up in that moment. So I'm there appreciating this when suddenly energetically I get this tug several tugs on my energy and I could feel that you know these are humans and they're coming up from points with you know below me and they were children there were about six of them in total and they just left their bodies like I would have done at their age when I was a child and they were now hovering around me and I in the moment I get this download inside of me that that says I'm that they've come to be taught by me how to teach them how to teleport while out of body to various points around the planet I was, my mouth like sort of just dropped open in awe of this, this opportunity. You know, I've taught on other levels. I've met many uh, out-of-body explorers from this level and other levels and taught. Um, I've taught people in the astral, but to, to teach children, you know, which even in my waking physical practice, you know, and I, I've not done much of um, on this level. But so suddenly I have these six children around me all excited to them. It probably seems like a dream. Maybe to one of them, it seems something more. And we pretty much taught them how to sort of move around to different uh, points around the planet. And I remember then convening at one point above the planet again, and one of the children saying, can we go into outer space? And I was like, of course we can, and immediately had this underlying intention. And I shot like a rocket right away from you know the near physical plane, right into another plane of reality altogether, and thinking to myself, oh, this is going to go down well. I can just see it in the astral newspapers you know, teacher loses track of six, six uh, young students on the earth plane. And, <laughs> and I knew, obviously, you know, they, they were going to go through their sleep cycles. Their bodies would wake up. They would have their consciousness, you know, their awareness drawn back to their physical bodies. And I remember thinking to myself, I hope one of them wakes up, remembers the experience this morning, is sitting around the breakfast table with, with their mother, and they say, Mommy, Mommy, I had this amazing experience. I went to Egypt, and we went to the Amazon, and we even went to this thing that was called the Hornet's Nest down in An Antarctica where there was aliens, and we had all this kind of fun, and da-da-da-da-da, and there was this man, he had this wild hair, and he taught us these things. And <laughs> to me, it just, like I said, it felt like a full circle, like I'd just experienced teaching like I was taught as a child. And I've even come to realize now, because time and space is mutable, it, it is something that is, you know, that is uh, flexible, it is, you know, uh, you know, a belief system, it is rule sets based on this reality, that we can meet ourselves, you know, from different timelines, we can have experiences where we're, we're guiding ourselves. And, you know, it just sparked so much of my imagination on that day, it gave me so much inspiration and made me feel very proud, to be honest, that, you know, I was taking part, play, part in this bigger picture um, landscape and, I, and the universe was seeing me as a useful human being on more than one level of reality. That's, yeah, it's pretty amazing because you, you, when you think about it, it's the way you describe it, it's almost like, who is the student here and who is the teacher? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Sounds I like completely agree. You kind of got, maybe you got a little bit more at it than the kids did. To be honest, Mike, I'm, I'm pretty sure I did. I'm really sure I did because I came back from that experience and, you know, there are experiences that will forever change you and you can't go back to a certain level of thinking once you, once it does. And again, I've had some pretty deep experiences of, you know, non-human consciousness, other systems, you know, other ET systems, but even experiences of this nature, you know, with children, working with children and the profound effect you know it's having, you know, that in itself is so worthy. It's so worthy and it is it will change you. It will change your core beliefs. It will it will challenge everything you know about reality and in a and but in a good way. And that kind of 
brings me to the next question. And uh, I'm I'm probably you know with your workshops, you you I'm assuming that you've had this before. It would be uh, shared experiences. I know you mentioned William Buhlman walking yes. into your <laughs> classroom on the astral plane, but <laughs> yeah. is there? Did you consciously go into with you know with a, maybe a couple friends or a group from a workshop and say we're going to meet at this location in the astral plane? And have you have had any experience like that? Yes, uh, I would say you know tens and tens of experiences like that um, in the in the in the sort of sense where yes we program it we we set the intent we have a purpose uh, sometimes it works out where. You know, you do meet people, but they're unconscious and they don't re- remember the journey. You know, once they wake up, or it's vice versa. You know, you're you're having an experience, and maybe I don't remember on return journey. You know, that happens. Uh, also, it can be a, in a spontaneous way, and for me, it is spontaneous a lot. I'll I'll bump into people that I know from this level reality, or I'll bump into counterparts of their consciousness because it works that way too. Um, you're not always bumping into the person that you think you're bumping into, as in the physical. Uh, conscious being that you know from physical earth, you're bumping into a spectrum of their energy, another counterpart level of them. And sometimes, you know, the, the real clue to that is, you know, the, that their, um, their appearance is different, uh, their awareness is different, uh, you know, they're, they're able, you know, to sort of you're experiencing another level of them. So it can happen in many different ways. But when it happens in the sense to where you're in that near earth field, and you meet somebody and then decide to sort of go on a journey together and you both reintegrate back into the physical body with full consciousness from end to end. Those kind of experiences are more rare, but they are real deep validation for all involved. And what we usually do at the workshops, the nine-day one in particular, uh, we, we have a password system where I say to people, okay, at the very beginning stages of the experience, say, we you you're to develop a, come up with a password do not write it down in your in your physical journal do not tell other people if you then while inducing the experience become conscious in the near earth field in particular and you bump into other participants in that state who are conscious enough you're to exchange passwords and we have had a real good success with with exchanging passwords in those sort of situations and it blows the doors off for everybody, when we're back in a group setting and we're sharing experiences and somebody puts up their hand and says, okay, I, I think I made a successful password swap. And a couple other people are like, yeah, yeah, I think I did too. And then you have the two people in particular who, who made the swap write down their passwords. They then pass both their passwords to a third party in the room. And they then both announce their passwords. And then that person reads out the passwords they wrote down. And when it clicks and when it's bang on the money, it's magic, and everybody in the room feels it, and it serves as powerful inspiration. So if somebody there hasn't yet had an experience, they suddenly get more motivated. They suddenly have that inspiration to, to, to sort of you know, get more willpower because you know, willpower is part of this journey for us, right. and, and it does serve a purpose. So yes, the shared out-of-body experience is a powerful validator. I've had many, and the people involved have come back again forever changed. Yeah, I know the uh, like, especially for Tom, that was kind of his belief moment or aha moment that you know that shared experience. You know, you come back and of course his was recorded, so he heard him talking with Dennis, the other um, engineer at uh, the Monroe Institute, talking. You know, that 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 is kind of like the moment of belief. And you kind of start shedding your other your old belief systems, and I can see how that could be very beneficial, especially you know in a group setting at a workshop. Absolutely, and at some stage when you have phenomena like that presented to you and it's in your face, you have to at some point let go of the doubt. You have to let it go, and you have to allow you know that openness to take you deeper. Because again, that openness is our true state of being. Um, I find, you know, whatever level of reality I go to, there can be, you know, sort of uh, a level of openness about that place. It's just our beliefs that are getting in the way. It's our expectations, our preferences, all this sort of what you could consider baggage that can sometimes get in the way. Sure, it can serve a purpose, 
But sometimes we dwell in certain beliefs for too long. Sometimes we dwell within certain energy for too long and we take on the energy of what we're dwelling in and we suddenly believe this is who we are. I have to ask too, um, have you come across the, uh, kind of taps into the beliefs a little bit, uh, shedding belief systems. Have you tapped into the fear tests yet that William talks about? Uh, in our film, he and I think it's in his book too, that he, he runs into like a giant sloth with the fangs and the, the, uh, the claws or whatever. He feels like he's about to be ripped to shreds, but then he f- confronts his fear and, you know, then the, the sloth actually, you know, gives him a hug and then they kind of move on. He kind of melts away and he's like, he kind of upgrades his experience. Have you had any? I have. Uh, and I, okay. and I find that when I hear other explorers talk about phenomena of that nature, I, f- I find because of my own experiences, what is usually um, happening is they're having a projection within an experience. So even if they're out of their bodies, they can project dream type material, you know, which is based on, you know, inner fears within an environment, uh, within a, a sort of a consensus environment, as Bowman would call them. So it's sometimes a matter of realizing that what we're dealing with is our own inner stuff for sure. And it is a method for us to become, you know, uh, to transform this energy. But I find that sometimes, as nice as it is to transform a slug into something more friendly and, and wave it goodbye, I would, I would take an opportunity, whether in that moment or back on Earth, to ask deep probing questions. What did that represent? Now, I know from reading William's book, you know, he did a lot of that. You know, uh, there was one experience that he talks about where he's in some sort of underground car park uh, or car garage. And there's a car where these thieves are, are breaking into the car or, or no, 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 it was, uh, there was a bunch of junk, junk cluttered in the car and he asked what it represented and his subconscious or, you know, a, a bigger part of his consciousness, um, you know, gave him some insight. And, you know, so I know he does that sort of practice, but I would say to people, yes, if you get an experience like that where you're being challenged, where you're having these, you know, sort of uh, fear-inducing experiences, you can confront it, but equally, you can, you can run. Because <laughs> yeah. sometimes it will be overwhelming. And I think as nice as it is to say, hey, you know, we can be brave and stand our ground, sometimes, you know, even I to this day, uh, I, my, my courage, you know, sometimes fails me. And but I know that these tests aren't t- tests of failure. They're just saying, you know, this stuff is here to 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 work on. This is some this is an area to to apply some practice. It's never about failure. So you know, there are many ways to look at this. But that's one of my ways to look at it. That even in the moment when I look away, if I don't feel courageous enough, I know other opportunities will come up. I know I can come back to my physical body. I can get into meditation. I can access the same phenomena but in a, in a sort of a, an observer way instead of through the out-of-body way, which was usually more, um, you know, sort of interactive. I do have to ask, can you describe the Pandora star? I know we're kind of switching gears real quick, but um, I just want to make sure you got that in before. Yeah, sure. Yes, um, Pandora star is uh, what we label a deep trance meditation machine. And uh, it is about the size of a small frying pan, uh, it doesn't weigh, you know, very much. It has 12 high-powered LEDs, uh, um, sort of front-facing. So what you do is you put it on a tripod, and you sit in front of it, maybe a couple feet away. You close your eyes for the experience. So although they're only LEDs and they're not, they're not going to blind you like the sun, they're not going to damage your eyes. Uh, we to get the most from it, you would close your eyes. Now. It's computer controlled, so you can pretty much uh, go from very low frequency, such as point, you know, one hertz, all the way up over, you know, the gamma, the hyper gamma, the lambda frequencies, which are, you know, 40, 100, and 200 hertz respectively, uh, and everything in between. So, you know, you can use this for brainwave entrainment, but this is light pulses, which will entrain your brain within, in, in some cases, seconds, minutes to seconds. Whereas sound can take minutes minimum, sometimes you know even longer. So this, once you switch it on, let's say you have one of the alpha programs that we use, which uh, creates a very very psychedelic experience. Immediately, 
uh, it will focus you with uh, bright, vivid colors, very rich color, uh, geometric patterns like mandalas, three-dimensional in your mind's eye. Uh, I think people are really surprised by how powerful an experience it can be. Uh, we, we did a mind-body-spirit festival here in London just a couple weeks ago, and we had a Buddhist monk pass by the stand. And I got to talking to him about the machine, and he he'd said, okay, look, I've done meditation for over 20 years. I don't know what kind of you know aid this could be for me. And I already knew he was underestimating himself. If he was underestimating the machine, he was underestimating himself. Because ultimately, there's nothing this machine can show you that you don't already have within you. This is just a way of helping you get from A to B, you know, faster and more reliably to where you can then build it as a practice, as a long-term practice yourself, almost like training wheels, but it's a fun training wheel to have. So we sat the monk down, closed his eyes, gave him a four-minute dose, just four minutes. He came off that session reporting that, yes, he can see how, you know, this can be beneficial to people you know, from, from, you know, many walks of life. Um, so it was a good little endorsement. We didn't need the endorsement because we have average, average, everyday, you know, human beings. We had at the same show, two university students come who are used to, you know, LSD. They sat down, they, they took a journey and took a trip as, you know, language of that going correctly for them. They took a trip. Four minutes later, they were like, wow, dude, this was amazing. You know, but without the drugs and the residue of what the drug does. You know, so on a basic level, this will give people a powerful, psychedelic, mystical experience. It can go as deep as they want. It's just a matter of getting out of the way. Set your purpose, have your intent, and then get out of the way. And what I mean by being in the way is you, are, you, you try to maybe, um, you know, too much in your, in your head trying to analyze what's taking place. Um, maybe let fear get too overwhelming because when you suddenly have this this rich color palette and it's a, a sort of a firestorm of color and and vivid imagery it can get very overwhelming but you know if you can allow yourself once you feel the shift almost as if you're going to go out of body if you just for that moment draw upon some courage and say hey let's see where this goes because why do why begin a new experience only to stop again and again and again you know because you're only going to get to the level that you know too well so we ask people just to Use the machine as open-mindedly as they can. Let themselves take a journey. Open them up so it, you know, surrender to the light. So what can it be used for? It's very good at getting people into a trance state, like I said, very effectively, very reliably, very quickly. Um, we've had people enter trance states, and I mean deep, profound trance states, within like a minute, um, and completely be somewhere else. Their eyes will w w go wide open while the session is still going, and it'll look as if they're, they're sort of their eyes are rolling back in their head. They're no longer there on this level of reality. They're somewhere else. And we've had people come back and report, wow, I was sitting next to a stream. I was fully conscious. I wasn't even aware that I was here and the light was flashing. And their eyes were wide open and the light flashing in their eyes and they weren't aware of it. So it can, it can help get people. It facilitates frequency uh, states. So it can shift people into ideal frequencies for out-of-body exploration. Obviously, like I said, they can still get in the way of the experience, but it's a great exploration tool for anything for personal development, for brain sort of uh, training. You can take this thing up. Uh, I was exploring a frequency yesterday, uh, which is based on some research back from the 1990s where this scientist, uh, this researcher had, um, uh, he was using sound to close down the, the left prefrontal lobe and activate, fully activate more of the right prefrontal lobe which created a sense of um, deeper empathy. It literally created a state of empathy. And if you can imagine on a daily basis triggering this, this frequency state, which was 110 hertz hypogamma, um, to, or, or like uh, for myself on a daily basis, I now get a dose of 40 hertz gamma frequency. So I'm, I'm creating more gamma waves within me, which is very good for stimulating my brain, which is essential for stimulating my brain. There are some people with uh, mental deficiencies and other sort of disorders where they're not getting enough gamma sort of um, gamma waves. So this machine has the ability to give them a full spectrum frequency experience, helps facilitate whatever frequency they'd like to experience for whatever practice they currently have. So if they're a channeler, this will help them get into that channeling the frequencies associated with channeling more reliably, faster, help them maintain those states. 
in order for them to deepen their what what they have themselves anyhow. So it's a facilitator, just like I would be at one of my workshops. Um, and it's a tool that uh, went from being a DIY project to now being a uh, production model, which we now sell. And uh, we do have a website for it, which we've only just launched. Uh, it is something that the, the website is still in development. The product certainly isn't. Um, although we do, you know, almost on a monthly basis now, we have new ways of of upgrading the software for it that comes with it too. So it's an exploration tool, and it's a really good exploration tool for consciousness. Um, anywhere from astral projection, lucid dreaming, mediumship, automatic writing, channeling, um, re rewiring the brain with neuroplasticity. It's it's a powerful tool. It's kind of like uh, hemisync for the eyes. Yes, and and uh, you could you could say there was an artist back in the '70s who developed a dream machine. I think he called it the dream machine or lucid dream machine, and where it was just a rotating sort of lampshade uh, with a, a light behind it, with the you know sort of hole, uh, holes cut out in the in the fabric of the lampshade. And as it spins, it just sort of flickers, and that flickering light creates imagery. And he would used to build it as it's the only art installation that you view with your eyes closed. So once again, on a basic level, you get this beautiful sort of artistic experience, which is being self-generated from within, because all the light is doing, it's, it's shining, it's flickering white light at you. But your brain is literally sort of filtering out all the color and all the different patterns is being self-generated based on your neurology of the brain, based on your, your sort of beliefs, all of that stuff. Even the way you breathe during the session will have an impact on what you experience. How can uh, somebody get a hold of one like now? <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, I know you're the website, like I said, the website at the moment is highly underdeveloped because we're having too much fun. Um, and we've been going to trade shows and demonstrating the, the, the model. So if they want to get information, the quicker, quicker way to get information is to come through to me via email. And they can reach me at Todd, that's T-O-double-D, at pandorastar.co.uk. And if they send me, if you send me an email, then I'll send you a bunch of blurb that should be on the website, but isn't there at the moment. And I'll give you the pricing and the different ways to experience it. If you're local to London, then you can have a demonstration. One of these lights are currently in New York, so there's an opportunity for you, Mike, if you'd like to go and have a personal experience of, of Pandora Star. I can I can certainly uh, facilitate that if you like, and then you can give your your listeners um, your own direct feedback. Yeah, I'm sure April and I. Uh especially you know we'll we'll definitely want to check that out because uh, you know like you said with the hemisync it could take you know minutes or longer and i've noticed with myself i've I've been doing hemisync on and off for the last four or five years now and there's definitely it is better than just straight up meditation or uh at least my experience trying to get an out-of-body experience or some altered state but there is a delay. It's like um, some of those spontaneous out-of-body experiences I've had were usually about a 12-hour delay from me having listening to Hemisync. Yeah. Well, so I, what I, sorry, go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say that, you know, trying something new, especially visual, and I'm more of a visual person anyway, or at least, um, at least that's what I tell myself. <laughs> but... <laughs> I, I think having, you know, especially with the LEDs and, you know, the white light, I, I think that that's definitely more of a trigger for me. At least somebody like me, I, I think, might help more. And uh, and not to downplay Hemisync because I know it's, it's helped, you know, thousands and thousands of people. But I, I think this is kind of filling in the gap that the Hemisync can't reach. And it's more for the, the you know, like you said, the, you have the different... Uh, the Claire audience, Claire sentience. This is more for the other type. Yeah, and and one thing I'd like you to keep in mind as well, Mike, is the the whole time this light is on, this this focusing rays of light directly on your forehead, directly into your eyes. You know, this is affecting your not just your physical body. You know, you have to understand here that um, for those of us who are fully with the program, that we are not just physical beings, but we are psychic and we are you know, psychological and we are spiritual beings as well, then we have counterpart, counterpart energy. So our energy body, um, you know, this light, this, this Pandora star, you know, the device itself has a counterpart energy too. 
there's nothing on this level reality that doesn't have an anchor on another level reality. You know, there's energy states, a spectrum of energy for everything. So you have a, you know, a physical version and you have a non-physical version of this light, of this uh, Pandora star. So as it sits there in front of you, it's working with your, your, the, the neurology in your, of your brain, you know, lighting up your brain basically. Equally, it's working with you on an energetic level you know, because the energy counterpart would do that too. So you're being stimulated physically as well as energetically. Also, as the light is on, flashing the entire time, on, off, on, off, on, off, it is stimulating your pineal gland. So this is a powerful machine. It's touching you in ways that, you know, fair enough, sound might have certain limitations. This is like binaural sound on, on steroids. It is really powerful stuff. Um, you know, we've had people that have used all kinds of things, had, you know, ayahuasca journeys, LSD. We've had people that have used, you know, DMT. Uh, and they've used this lamp not at the same time, but that would be interesting too, I'm sure. Um, but they've they've used the you know Pandora Star, and they're like, whoa, you know that gave me a very similar experience to when I was on ayahuasca. And they're like, but without the ayahuasca, you know. So it facilitates again. It's the light itself. The Pandora Star is facilitating frequency states, and you know frequency states have associations with them. You know, with regards to well-being, with regards to relaxation, with regards to expanded states of awareness. So, you know, this is a very powerful, dependable tool for facilitating these frequency states. Ultimately, we live in a universe where, which is like Campbell would suggest. Tom Campbell would say, you know, is about pure experimentation, and perhaps knows no limits. I mean, personally, for me, the way I view it. The universe I live in, uh, you know, as in my own belief systems, it's a universe that can even surprise itself, and that's the kind of universe I'd like to live in, and that's the one that I that I sort of maintain myself in, if you like. Um, I appreciate all the various belief systems and experiences that people have with regards to non-human consciousness, these other planes of reality. Uh, and one thing I'd really like to sort of, uh, from my perspective, um, from my viewpoint, leave this, leave, trail off with this interview is all of this is there to explore. And if this is something that is, that you're open to explore it with everything you've got, um, leave no stone unturned, you know, ask questions prolifically along the way, but we are equally here in what we label the third dimension, physical waking consciousness, um, earth, uh, our physical lives. I would really like to inspire people to look at this journey that you're taking because at one point you would have been stood there on the astral planes like Robert Monroe would suggest in one, at one of these nondescript astral entry points where you, you can you know, reserve a physical body, they start to meld your your energy to your to the physicality, and um, then you get to explore maybe some of the in between states, uh, some of the uh, um, you know the holographic levels that are are um, training environments for physical reality. You get to bounce between the room, the womb, and these environments, and your other lives on other levels. You know, as you integrate more and more in the physical. At one point, you would have stood there, looking at physical reality. You know, you had the grand tour, you, you, you took the brochure, you, you really put the down payment, you're like, oh yeah, I'm ready to take, I'm ready to have one of those physical matter bodies, I can't wait. You know, we're here to equally enjoy this too. To me, it, it is a full spectrum experience and sometimes, you know, people, um, they, they get too focused in areas of their lives where there's pain and suffering and they dwell in these places for too long. So I'd like to really finish off with with the idea of you know making a suggestion to them to be open again to explore beyond that dwelling state once again to realize that no matter how much they've got on their plate at one point they were so excited about taking this human physical matter journey and being here on physical earth they were really really excited standing at that astral entry point couldn't wait looking at all the other humans you know on physical earth you know sort of whining about how difficult it is and thinking them laughing to themselves I don't mind. I don't mind. I've told my guides. I've signed on the dotted line. I tell them, Sho shovel all that at me. Give it to me. It's kind of like, you know, in America, we love our parades. Yep. And you see, you see people um, sort of in the parade. They're on the floats. And you look at them, and you're envious sometimes. Like, oh, I wish I could be on a float. And then these guys come by, you know, after the horses go by, and they drop their droppings, and they're, and they're shoveling, you know, the horse poo. 
and you're thinking and you might be laughing at these guys but you know what they're at least in the parade and that's right. the way i look at this you know no matter how much human crap we have to shovel while we're here there's a part of us that was there on the astral on one of those days looking this way thinking you know just give me a big shovel i'll shovel all of it i'll shovel human you know stuff like nobody's ever shoveled it before just give it to me i'm ready i can do this i'm prepared you know i'm part of this all that is you know i i've got you know, the only limitations are, are the, the mindsets I develop while I'm there. No matter how much you prepare yourself, once you crawl across that boundary point into this level of consciousness, all that planning can go out the door, but that guidance is always there. You know, your guides, your helpers, what we call in spirituality, you know, a higher self, you know, your soul, you know, like Maya Monroe would suggest your eye there, all that energy is here. It's always here to draw upon. It's realities within realities when our belief systems get in the way, but that stuff is here and it's right there waiting for you to get clear again and tap into. You know, no matter what your life is like here in the in-body experience, it can get better. And all of this stuff that Mike's talking about, I'm talking about, you can open yourself up to again and it's all there to explore. But it won't happen, you know, if the in-body experience is overwhelming. You know, you've you've got support on these levels. You've got you know people like me, people like Mike and April who are getting these messages out from people like Tom Campbell and William Bowman and Teal Swan, all these amazing facilitators around the world. There is support there, and yes, you can say, okay, well, what's the level of support? Well, you got to show up. You know, the support's there. You have to show up, just like the support from the universe. It's a matter of showing up. But you show up, and you'll find it. And, and life doesn't have to be hard. And, you know, these embodied experiences can to lead to some very profound experiences here. And then you open yourself up to, the, to all that you are again. And it just gets fun all around. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a great way to end the show. And it's kind of like, uh, I, I don't know if you have it over in the UK, but in the United States, especially New York, there used to be a, a lottery commercial where... The, the saying was, you got to be in it to win it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that, Indeed. Indeed. yeah, that's great. That was great. Well, thanks, thanks Todd, for coming on the show. Um, if somebody wants to get in touch with you or attend one of your workshops, how, how can they get a hold of you? I would say um, my website, which is. Um, uh, the website where there's there's the most current event right now is uh, www.obefrance.com. Uh, from there, you can find other links to other stuff. Um, if you go into YouTube and type type in my name, Todd Akamesis, uh, that's A-C-A-M-E-S-I-S, you'll find loads of videos, including a lot of fun stuff where I'm, you know, just being as playful as I can be and, you know, just in some cases being pure goofy, but you know that can that can facilitate certain states too. So those um, those are methods. Another method is like I said with email. Um, if you use my Pandora Star email address, so Todd at pan, two Ds at PandoraStar.co.uk, just send me an email. It doesn't have to be about Pandora. Uh, and uh, you know if you have a question, then I'm quite happy to answer. Uh, it may take me a while sometimes because I do get a lot of contact from people, but I will eventually get back to everybody. If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guyamtv.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at thepastseries.com or send us a tweet at thepastseries. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show.